Welcome to Pipeline, Profiles in Philosophy and Education. I'm your host, Winston C. Thompson. Pipeline is a monthly short-form interview program focused on contemporary scholars. For more information and to subscribe to the podcast, please visit pipeline.fm. Pipeline is made possible by the generous support of the Education Department of the University of New Hampshire. This episode, we're joined by Larry Blum, University of Massachusetts, Boston. Larry Blum, welcome to Pipeline. Glad to be here. Uh, now, to get us started, perhaps you might share with our listeners just a little bit about how you came to do philosophical work on topics of education. Yeah. So I don't have a traditional background in philosophy of education at all. I was a, basically a moral philosopher for several decades. And I can I know exactly when I sort of got into education. I drifted into it at the time that my kids started attending the public schools okay. of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Okay. So people identify Cambridge with its great universities, but the public school population is sort of a different population. It's much more uh, economically and racially diverse. And I just got sort of active as a parent in the school. I was got interested in kind of racial issues and cultural issues, and I, you know, was part of a, of a, a sort of a committee that dealt with those kinds of issues in the school, and then I just started thinking about these same issues professionally. So I didn't have any background. I hadn't studied education. I hadn't studied philosophy of education, but I was interested in, you might call it, what values do I think it would be good for kids to learn in these kinds of schools and you know is there something about these diverse schools that lend that lend themselves to certain forms of civic and moral education that you know you maybe couldn't get in a kind of monoracial school so i just drifted into that area i got in a sense i got interested in race and education at the same time oh, interesting and so both those issues are you know to me they're very connected even though to some extent i've you know, separated them. And I wrote, you know, I wrote a book on racism that sure. isn't about education, but I've always sort of thought of education kind of related to, uh, related to race. So sometimes when I'm with my more hardcore philosophy of education sure. colleagues, I feel like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, I'm not really the real thing. <laughs> I shouldn't really be here. But, but now education has become such an important issue in, you know, the last 10, 20 years or so. And, mm -hmm. I, I think philosophers have um, really have to be part of the conversation about what kind of education system we want and what what values we want that system to be sure. realizing and promoting. Mm. Yes, interesting. If I'm if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds as though you're suggesting that matters of personal attention, as you were a parent engaged in the goings on of your local school, uh, became issues of professional interest. But I wonder if you might share with our listeners something about how you came to that profession of philosophy yeah. in the first place. That goes really far back. I sure. mean, so I, when I came to college, I was a, wanted to be a math major. I hadn't really heard of philosophy exactly. You know, I heard the word, but I didn't know anything about it. And a uh, one of my teachers named Joel Feinberg, who oh, yes, went on to be a very prominent philosopher, died a couple of years ago. He wrote a note to me on a paper in a philosophy course, and he said, I'd like to talk to you. I think you have a real proclivity for the subject. That's how I got into it, basically. Oh, wow. And I just loved moral philosophy. I just became like a moral philosophy fanatic. I wasn't uh, that happy in the college I was in, and I think I put a lot of my energy into being sort of like a... <laughs> 
philosophy nerd, okay, as we would now call it. I wasn't called it that at the time. And I just studied moral philosophy all the time, and you know, the rest is history. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> and uh, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what you're working on at the moment, sort of recent projects or projects yeah. that are underway uh, uh, now. So I, I, I'll mention a little bit about the book that uh, was published in, in 2012, High School's Race in America's Future. It was a kind of an unusual project where I made an arrangement with the my own school district, the School District of Cambridge, to teach a course on race and racism at the um, public high school that all my kids had, had gone to. And uh, the UMass Boston, where I, where I teach, was very um, favorable towards that project, which I think a lot of elite colleges wouldn't necessarily see the point of some one of their professors teaching in high school. So it was it was a good match, and um, I taught that course. I made I made an arrangement with the district to teach it once, and then they invited me back three more times to teach it, and it was a great experience. And then, sort of towards the end of it, and really after that period was over. I started to think it would be a good thing to write about because it, it seemed like um, these these high school students were sort of talking about race in an open way that a lot of adults in the United States, or most, I would say, don't actually know how to do. Sure. And so I decided to write a book about my experience with sort of philosophical, moral, and pedagogical reflections on what had gone on in that, in that class. And, you know, I, I was bringing... I, I guess I was bringing my sort of philosopher of race and philosopher of education and moral philosopher to sure. that material that I was, um, you know, getting from the class. Yeah. So that's the, you know, the, so I've been speaking, you know, about that book. And, you know, that's kind of the main thing that's on my plate at the moment. Sure. But um, I do have some other, a little bit, some irons in the fire. There's a a book that I'm writing, co-writing with a historian on race and education that's part of a series all of which are philosophers and historians writing nice. a book together. Nice. It's University of Chicago Press. Um, so that you know, that's mm. kind of a major thing that I'm that I'm working on right yes, now. And yes, yes, yes. It sounds very fascinating. So I, I do look forward to reading it and the other books in the series. Um, but just to rewind once again, it, it, a little bit earlier on, you said something about uh, the very special place that philosophers have uh, in these conversations about education. And I, I wonder if you might just elaborate on that a little bit and tell, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about why it's the case that you think philosophers ought to get involved in these conversations about uh, education. Well, I just think philosophers see the bigger picture of what the uh, aims of education should be and the the conversation that i think if i may put it this way has really been driven by a kind of corporate agenda sure. about what's going on in, in education has really not only narrowed the uh values you know to becoming purely instrumental to getting a job for example but but in in a way it's also buying into a certain set of market related values themselves that are promoted if not uh, absolutely intentionally. I think on the part of some people it is intentional, sure. on the part of others it's more an indirect thing, but they're sort of buying into teaching students themselves that kind of business values are the most important values. And I just think philosophers have to push back against that and articulate a broader set of civic, moral, and kind of personal growth values. And you just don't see very much of that. And the, the Obama administration is as bad as the Republicans on this, really. And that's, I think, one of the reasons, in a way, that sort of confused 
progressive thinking people that, uh, you know, if the, the Obama administration and Arne Duncan is on board with this, you know, charter movement and, and you know, privatizing, then people get confused into thinking yeah. that's a good thing when it's a terrible thing just yeah. because Obama's doing right. it. Right, it just doesn't make it any less so. I mean, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds as though what you're suggesting is that, um, you know, the two major political parties in this country are presenting uh, sort of a, a set of values, um, and it's the case that philosophers stand in a unique position uh, to critique those values and to recognize uh, the marginalized values that might be quite useful uh, for us to move educational projects forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so Winston, you were saying earlier that you were reading Diane Ravitch's yes. book with your colleagues. So Diane Ravitch, I think, is a tremendously important, she's a fantastic resource for people who are sort of thinking sensibly about education, but she herself doesn't, I think, mm. really articulate those values in a, in a broad and nuanced enough way. And that's what, something that I find is sort of a problem with her book. I think she'd be very favorable to other people doing it, but sure. she doesn't do it. And so, you know, I think philosophers have to be in there with her, you know. Well, thanks. Final question that I'll ask you here. Um, what do you see as the future for work in philosophy and education? I mean, you've mentioned a bit of this now in your response to the previous question, but are there any other ideas that you have about the future of the philosophical study of education? Well, so, so in a sense, the political philosophy of education wing of the larger field of philosophy of education has become much more prominent in the last, I'm not sure how many years, but it's, it's you know, a lot of people who do philosophy of education aren't particularly focused on these political questions. Yeah. But there's been a lot of fabulous work in that particular area in the last, you know, I don't know, 15 years or so, I, I guess I would say. I very much see myself as part of that enterprise. And I taught a course on that at Teachers College in the fall of 12. And, you know, I, I see that strand of, of philosophy education as, a, as an extremely vital and vibrant field. And so, you know, I want to continue to sort of work in that field. And but to sort of connect it maybe more tightly with developments in education, quote-unquote, reform, than has oh, always been done. So there actually isn't that much. I mean, Seagal Ben Porath is someone who has started to write about issues of, of, of choice. Mm -hmm. But in terms of really taking on the neoliberal agenda, philosophers haven't quite stepped up to that totally. I mean, I think we've got the, the wherewithal to do it, but it's just only starting to happen. So I'd like to, that's where I'd like to work more, more directly engaging with that kind of neoliberal agenda in education. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, well, hopefully some of our listeners will uh, now see a path towards joining you in some of that uh, very good work that's yet to come. Larry Blum, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. For more information and to review previous episodes, please visit www.pipeline.fm.